the Tea Health Show, medical lifestyle show. Well, good morning. It's Chris Avon Smith, and we are talking to the wonderful Mark. How are you? I'm good, Chris. Thanks. How are you? I'm well, thank you, Doctor Mark. Always good to see you looking so bright and breezy and bubbly in the in the morning. And blue. <laughs> and blue. Yeah, yeah actually, it, 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 just for the listeners out there, Mark's got his Smurf look on today. <laughs> He's in his beautiful blue scrubs. <laughs> it's, it's, it's always amazing. Right. How are... Okay. First of all, who are we talking to today? We're talking to Dr. Catherine Davies. Kathy, welcome back. It's good to see you again. Thanks so much. It's lovely to be back here. I absolutely adore it when you come into studio because we always have such, such fun. Because we're talking about something that is very close to many people's hearts, I think. So we're talking hair loss and hair restoration. And, you know, but for me, Kathy, you have been... At the forefront of South African hair restoration now for many years. Um, tell us about what it is that you do and how prevalent this is, especially in women. Well, working with patients with hair loss is my passion, and it's what I've been doing for the last 15 years. And yes, it's so prevalent in both male and females uh, across all race groups. And the stats show that um, during a lifetime, Almost 80% of women at some stage will suffer from hair loss. My God, that's, that's you a know huge what, if amount. You, if you said that it was men, 80% of men would suffer from hair loss, I would have believed you very easily. 80% of women, and this is at any stage of their life. This is at any stage of their life. It is more common the, the older we get, especially when we're hitting menopause. But it can occur at any stage. Okay, so let's start there. Um, there's different types of hair loss, and, and maybe we should go into them um, individually and, and see which ones are um, possible for us to treat and which ones are possible for us to avoid. Yeah, well, let's start with the two most common uh, causes or sort of symptoms that you'll see with hair loss. The one as a doctor would be when a patient comes in and they're shedding. So they say, doctor, I've got hairs in, you know, every time I brush my hair, my brush is full of hair. Up to a hundred hairs can be normal every day. But, um, you know, these are people who literally bring in bags of hair. They, their hair clogs up. <laughs> Please like, don't tell me that people bring in bags of <laughs> oh, hair yes, to you. Yes, yes, they keep, they definitely, I've had a few bags of hair on my desk. So this shedding, is usually a symptom of something that's going on in the body. So this isn't your genetic type of hair loss. It's uh, and, and with women, and males and females can shed, it's usually hormonal, something nutritional, um, like your iron or your thyroid that's affected. And it's really a trigger. And that trigger occurs about three months before the patient sheds. So you can act a bit psychic as a doctor because you can say, you know, what happened three months ago? <laughs> Did you have a general anesthetic or go on a crash diet? Or, um, and then as a response, your body sheds to this trauma. So that's the, that's the one of the most common causes we see. And in fact, with, with uh, COVID, we're seeing a lot of shedding. And that's because... Seriously? Yeah. Um, wow. Actually, globally, it's a phenomenon for two reasons, I think. The one is that any sort of fever uh, causes shedding. 
So in people who've actually had the, the virus, um, and we see this because it correlates with antibodies, about three months later they shed. The good thing about shedding hair loss is it's not scarring and it can grow back. The other cause in COVID is I think just the intense stress and pressure that mm. we've all mm. been under male and female. So that's a more subtle shed than the people who've had a full-on fever. But there's definitely been quite a few articles on a global increase in shedding. Sure. That's very interesting. Cassie, um, you mentioned something there, iron and thyroid, a little bit earlier. Now, um, both of us work a little bit on functional medicine. And one of the things that I just quickly want to touch on is the importance of iron as well as vitamin D for normal thyroid metabolism. Um, many people actually think that vitamin D is something that we get from the sun mm. um, and that being outside in the sun is good enough for you for vitamin D. Firstly, I think we need to dispel that myth immediately. You can live on the sun and you can't have enough vitamin D. Furthermore, vitamin D is something that is more of a hormone, I think, than a vitamin. Do you agree? Absolutely. So, gosh, you guys are just blowing me out of the water with all these stats and things today. Vitamin D, a hormone more than more than a... It acts more like a hormone than a, a vitamin. And we have never knew that. We, was, we were always on about vitamin C. And, mm. and the new thing for us in the medical pr- uh, profession is vitamin D. And in fact, one of the first things they give you, back to COVID, sorry, but it's on all of our minds, when you get admitted um, with COVID is vitamin D because of all the amazing functions it has mm. and the assumption that most of us are deficient. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm on vitamin D. I mean, you prescribed it for me, Mark. Yes, but we brilliant. <laughs> I know, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and vitamin D plays an incredibly important role in thyroid metabolism due to the fact that your thyroid hormones, T1 to T4, all need to be activated to do the work that they're supposed to do. Right. And for them to be activated, they need to bind to a receptor. And the receptor is made up of vitamin D and iron. Makes perfect sense, actually. So, you know, but for the people out there who's not on vitamin D supplementation, it's very inexpensive, really. Get onto it. Um, your local pharmacy and dispensary should be able to dispense vitamin D up to 5,000 international units per day. If you need anything more than that, you'll need a prescription. Right. Okay. Okay. So, Kathy, next one, cause of hair loss. Absolutely. So that was the shedding when people bring in their bags of hair. <laughs> the other very common <laughs> – Chris finds these bags of hair very amusing, but they, they do appear on my desk. The <laughs> other uh, type is um, genetic hair loss, and this we call the Christmas tree parting in women. Um, where slowly over time and in photos, they don't notice shedding, but they notice this – a widening of their parting mm. Their scalp starts to show through their hair And that points more towards The androgenetic alopecia Which is the inherited cause of Hair loss In men it's your typical V In the temples And your crown at the back that's lost And that they usually don't shed too much But over time Notice the thinning of their scalp That was what happened to me you know. <laughs> and then we fixed it uh, And then Kathy fixed it And, and it's, it's looking very good no, I must You know, you. It, it's, it's, if, if ever you have battled or, or, or struggle with 
the idea of going bald and losing your hair um Look into hair restoration. It's it's it really has changed the way I feel about myself. It changed the way that I dress. Um, it's amazing. Mm. It, no, Kathy, thank you. Yeah. So, um, okay. So, androgenic alopecia. This happens in men and women, and it is um, genetic. Now. You use a beloved character always when you refer to this. Um, for the men out there and for women, tell us more about uh, the clothing, oh no, the, the furniture store. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so when I try to explain to patients without insulting anyone, I use Joshua Dore as our example. So with a male, in most males, they can lose all their hair, but there's certain Joshua Door ring of hair, if you picture our uncle in the furniture business, mm. or a monk. Yeah, a tonsure. They call it a tonsure. A tonsure, that ring of yeah. hair. For some reason in men, unfortunately not in women, um, they never lose that to, due to genetic hair loss. Obviously, if you're on chemotherapy or something different, it, it's different. But there's this thick, strong ring of hair that's always there, and we call it the loyal hair because it never leaves you in men. And we can use that um, in a hair transplant to restore hair. Unfortunately, as women, we don't have this Joshua door ring of hair. Right. So the treatment um, transplant is far less successful. So with women, we focus more on... Um, Oral treatments, topical treatments, and some treatments in the clinic. Um, so it's the two different approaches, both male and female. Okay, so we have um, a couple of different treatment modalities, and maybe we should start there. There's, I think, certain things that people can do at home. Kathy, the first thing that I want to ask you is shampoo. Tresemme versus... Um, the EFF. Redken. So I always look at at hair as a tree. So as a as a doctor and integrative doctor, we're dealing with the roots of the tree. Right. And um, a lot of the shampoos and conditioners have got to do with the branches and the leaves, which are, you know, hand over to the hairdresser and how you treat your hair. Are you using heat? But um, the most important thing is tr- nutrition and health for the roots of the hair. So that means doesn't matter what you put onto your scalp. It matters what you put into your mouth. Exactly. Having said that, if you have a skin reaction or eczema or psoriasis, it is going to affect your hair growth. So getting your scalp condition healthy is important. But I don't um, – I believe having a good shampoo is great and certain treatments help. But, uh, you know, as long as your scalp is clean and healthy, I don't think it makes that much of a difference. Okay. You know, it, uh, the reason I, I, I ask that is yesterday I was having my hair cut and I was in the salon and um, I, I spoke to my hairdresser who's been a hairdresser for, for many years about this. And she gave me a shampoo and I looked at this and I thought, 600 bucks for a shampoo. <sighs> Um, is it really worth it? And you know what? I knew that we were having this conversation this morning and I said, okay, I will come back to you. Um, and you've just answered my question. I can go and have dinner, um, <laughs> instead of, you know, at paying 600 bucks for a, for, for a shampoo. Yes. But remember that the leaves and the branches might look super with that shampoo. So maybe for a, a female with, who wants this long, shiny, 
glossy hair, it might be worth sending. But yours is two centimeters at the moment, so I'd, I'd go for the dinner. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> okay, so now let's chat about what patients can do at home um, before or. Do we do we start in in practice first, and then we send our patients home with certain treatments that they can do at home? Um, we have things like microneedling, PRP treatments, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I think we'll get into explaining them a little bit more in detail just now. But are there home remedies for the person that lives far away from a GP or a hair specialist? Is there something that they can do at home? Absolutely, yes. So first of all, if it's just a a, a minor shed and you know what caused it you know for example if you had a stress or a bit of weight loss um, you can definitely go on a good biotin supplement from any pharmacy up to about 500 milligrams a day um, and there's a wonderful old Tunney's recipe where they add bergamot essence and bay rum uh, very cheap uh, tinctures that you can buy at any pharmacy Add it to your shampoo and it, it gives your hair a bit of a boost mm. um, so if the cause has come and gone I really find that this is successful, but you've got to be patient. So, so bergamot? Which bergamot essence. Essence and, and bayram essence as well. Essence as well. And you take yeah. the whole bottle and throw it into you your shampoo. Pour it into your shampoo, foam it, leave it in for about two minutes, and it gives your hair a nice boost. Brilliant. Okay. I'm going to do that mm. instead of paying 600 rand for <laughs> a bottle of shampoo. It's going to cost you like 50 rand at the, yeah. at the most. Yeah, Exactly. You know. However, if there's an underlying condition, so it, the best thing to do is to start off at your general practitioner with some general blood tests. Check out your thyroid, check out your iron, your vitamin D, as Mark mentioned, and just make sure that you're generally healthy. Because if you don't fix something internally, mm. your hair will not repair itself. So what is this? You comb your hair or brush your hair a hundred times Every evening before you go to bed. Housewife's tail. <laughs> okay. If your hair's knotty, brush it. Um, you know, in, um, I think in previous times, I think that came from the Victorian era where we didn't have shampoo mm -hmm. and conditioners. So they were trying to take the oil from their scalp and spread it to the lengths of their hair. Ah, um, okay. Yeah. And you had a very nice... And then you um, got a glossy, you, your hair was glossy. Yeah. And, you and also, and also had a, all the dirt and the and mites and the nits in the Victorian times. Yes, you could they brush just out. dropped on the floor. Yeah, lovely. Down your yeah. cleavage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Sorry, that's a picture. Of, okay. Um, Kathy, then stimulation of the scalp. With brushing, for instance, where we increase blood flow, yes. would that have any any effect? Yes, so uh, blood flow is very, very important for hair growth and scalp massages, stimulating with the brush is all very important. If you've got a strong genetic component, um, I find nothing really helps, no. especially in, in males. Um, but w with people with mild hair loss or shedding, stimulating the scalp and blood flow really does help. Um, this is also done with red light laser, stimulates blood flow, and it all adds to a healthy scalp. Okay. So let's, let's come and now the patient comes through to you or me. Um, you specialize in hair transplants. Yes. And most aesthetic practitioners would be able to do something about hair restoration. It's not hair transplants. Mm. So let's go into the two differences between these and the different treatment modalities that we have available. 
Yeah, so I love science and, and the leaps and bounds in science. So coming into the clinic, there's a whole variety of treatments we can do. And um, obviously we, we've sent them to have be, uh, checked out internally and optimized their health. So now we're talking just about stimulating the scalp and the hair. And we start off with substances that we actually needle into the scalp. Okay. So the needling itself stimulates the scalp and collagen formation, but it also allows us to place a product into the scalp. Because if you just yes. put something on top of the scalp... Absolutely. The skin is a barrier. It's a barrier. So um, what we're placing into the scalp is very important. So there's simple substances like your mesotherapy where it's vitamins and nutrients and minerals and ions. And they're far more sophisticated substances where we're actually stimulating growth factors and stem cells. Yeah. So let's go to the growth factors in stem cells. And, you know, what? one of the things that we've spoken about almost in every program that we've done is platelet-rich plasma. Mm-hmm. Um, it's... It's a phenomenon, and I think it's taken the medical world by storm. It's something that's been around for a very long time, but very few people were aware of it. So, platelet-rich plasma, Kath, tell us a little bit more about it. Yeah, so just to dive quickly into the history, because I know Chris will find this interesting. It first started off being used in racehorses, um, who didn't, we, you know, when we decided we didn't mm. want to shoot them when we broke a leg, we found a better option and used the growth factors from their own blood to heal their bone. Many years later, it's you know been used in medicine, and we now use it for skin and hair loss. And the amazing thing about platelet-rich plasma is it's using your own body to heal itself with no chemicals, just with manipulating your own cells to initiate the healing cascade to repair um, the tissue to, into which it's placed. So, for example, when we're placing it into hair, it's got this wonderful growth factor called VEGF, and that stimulates new blood flow. It's got other growth factors um, such as FGF, which stim- stimulates the fibroblast and hair follicles. So just by simply taking blood, centrifuging it, and getting out this amazing healing plasma, we're stimulating our own follicles and hair cells. So I, I just want to to interject there a little bit. Um, like... Not all chocolate is lint. <laughs> Not all PRP or platelet-rich plasma mm. is mm. rich in platelets. Yes. Um, it really depends on the way in which it was extracted and treated and um, in which way it's handled and put back into the body. Um, we have PRF, um, platelet-rich fibrin, which I think you are the expert on. And tell us a little bit more about platelet-rich fibrin. Yes, platelet-rich fibrin, is, it's very, very similar. It's just the way you centrifuge the blood um, gives it a little bit more fibrin. And what the fibrin does is it provides a little bit of a... Um, a mesh for the mm. growth factors to live on. Fibrin so, fiber. Exactly. It's so, exactly as you picture right, it. Right. Yeah. So they hang around a little bit longer. Okay. But um, there's some amazing PRP kits, and it's all about how you, how you, you know, get your PRP, and b- basically teach it because it's like the little CEO going in there telling your cells what to do. So you want to put the right CEO at the right place. And tell your cells to behave in a certain way. Right. Um, 
Cassie, then we spoke about needling, microneedling. For me, it's it's a miracle treatment. It's almost like PRP. Um, both of us have been in aesthetic medicine um, and then functional medicine for 20 years. Um, so when we started, we didn't have this beautiful modality of microneedling. Um, Microneedling came about, I think, about 12 years ago. Am I right? Somewhere there? Yeah, I think so. Definitely in South Africa. And the wonderful thing about microneedling is that it treats every single condition. Think of yourself taking a, a, a pin and pricking your finger. That tiny little prick needs to heal Mm. and by doing this repeatedly you stimulate exactly what you said earlier that that healing cascade where there's a series of things that trigger the one after the other to create new collagen new blood flow inflammatory cells to the area um, that treats and repairs this damaged tissue no, it's like an emergency response team. It's exactly that. Jumping in there. Exactly. So, okay. And when we do that on any part of the body, you create that cascade in the area. Now, on on skin and in faces, we've used this in for anything from severe acne vulgaris, and that's your your pustular acne, mm. to pigmentation, treating pore size, treating texture, even treating scars and burns. burns. Um, And now we're using it to restore hair in both men and women. And I think, especially in women, this is such a phenomenally beautiful treatment to use. I absolutely agree with you. And if you look at someone who's totally bald, um, what you'll notice is they go shiny. And that mm. shininess is actually fibrosis and the blood supply, supply moving away. So it makes sense that this microneedling, if you started at an early stage, prevents all that. Mm. And it's once again stimulating your own body to heal itself. And the thing I love about microneedling is that it's safe, it's cost effective, and it's effective. I, I, I always tell my patients, international patients especially, that the best treatment that they can do with me is microneedling for the simple reason they can do this anywhere they are in the world. It's very difficult, in my words, to cock it up. It's not <laughs> exactly. what I usually say, but you know, it, um, it, it really is difficult to get, get that wrong. The most horrible thing that can happen is you have someone that's using a, a dirty device or a, an aseptic method, um, and you know what, you get a skin infection. But yeah. other than that, you know what, there really is very little that can go wrong with microneedling. So it's incredibly safe. Another um, area that we didn't touch on with hair loss that I see very commonly, and mainly in females, is the, your traction alopecia. That's our black woman mostly. Yes, so mainly ethnic hair from the braid. I was going to ask you exactly yes. what happened because you see that so often. It's, and, and the hairline's receding drastically. Yes, and it's one of the most common um, mm. complaints I get th- you know, through email. And what's happened is over the years with these tight braiding, and sometimes if it's combined with relaxes, it, it makes the hair even more fragile. And it actually cuts off the blood supply to the hair. 
and um, their hairline does move back. And microneedling is an amazing technique to restore the hairline. Unfortunately, if it's been done over years and years and it's already shiny and scarred, mm. the hairline doesn't come back. But if, if the uh, braiding is stopped and there's still some hair there, they do really, really respond well to microneedling. And you know what? We, we have a derma rollers and when we started with microneedling, that many years ago, I remember the rollers coming out, and um, we still have them around today, home rollers, and actually yeah. you can buy them online. I wouldn't recommend it, but you can buy them online. Is this something that we can use in our patients with traction alopecia? Yes, absolutely. So if, you, if you're looking at buying a, a home roller, um, the important thing is to keep it clean. And I wouldn't go um, deeper than a 0.25 millimeters. I was like, just going to ask yeah. you what. So what not 2.5. That's that's for the butt and stretch marks. But 0.25, then you can really safely use it at home. And the trick is to go in every direction. So think of making a star, and that stimulates your follicles the best. Um, but change it often because the needles get blunt and keep it clean. I I want to just add one word of caution there. The skin is a barrier. The moment that you compromise the barrier yes. function, anything that you put onto the skin is then absorbed 100, 200, 1,000 times more. Be very careful what you use because you can take a normal product that's re recommended for topical use and suddenly it becomes internal use and it becomes toxic. So just be aware of that. Absolutely. It's, it's, we've spoken a lot about IV therapy and oral therapy, and this is exactly the same thing. Um, you, the skin, which is a barrier, your stomach, which is a barrier lining, uh, would allow certain products through in certain mm -hmm. concentrations. The moment that you compromise the barrier, that protection is gone and something that could be very beneficial on t a topical level is now detrimental to your health. Absolutely. And if you start growing a second nose or uh, hair <laughs> out your eyeballs, you know that you have gone too far. I mean, it's quite quite interesting. And you, you were talking about um, doing a star shape but we, if you're doing home stuff. I mean, I know myself, I would I would have been so symmetrical in what, what I did. You know, it would have to be very symmetrical. Um, so it's, it's important to understand. And I, and I think what is important, if, if you're going to do something which is – Aesthetically so important to, to you. Actually, I think it's probably worth getting r real professional advice around it. I, I, you know, as much as yes, you can buy these home roller kits and stuff. There's two dangers that come to mind for me immediately. The first is that you're going to overdo it yes. and you're going to go mad, which, you know, again is something I would do. And the other thing is you'd use it incorrectly, not clean it properly, not um, sanitize it properly, etc., etc. Et, et, et you know, so, so I think, I think it's probably really worth, I think you could do damage to yourself if you, if you overdo anything, but you could damage yourself quite badly. Absolutely, and especially with microneedling. Mm. Um, with microneedling, what you are doing is you are stimulating an inflammatory response. We want that response. But inflammation is something that is good 
and bad And the line between them is incredibly thin Overstimulation leads to chronic inflammation Chronic inflammation leads to a different formation of collagen Kathy, help me This is collagen type 3 Yes, this you don't want yeah. the scarring type of thing. And you know what? I, I remember being d- described scarring. Think about a wound, and you know what? It made a terrible scar. Collagen type 3 is collagen that's very. That's deposited very fast And it's deposited not in a matrix Or in a three-dimensional picture It's deposited as ropes So, you know, it, it, it literally just pulls at the skin It makes me think of um, in the early 2000s Where we used to do hectic aesthetic treatments And get that <laughs> collagen through And you saw a lot of very shiny people yes. walking around <laughs> I remember that incredibly well God, yeah. look, is that the wrong type of collagen that yeah. you've built up So yeah. we want yeah. baby collagen yeah. So baby steps Yeah Okay. Exactly. I mean, I think I think it's always important to put in a proviso because, you know, and 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 I use myself. Well, if a, one tablet will do, maybe three is better. You know? <laughs> no, it only works with gin. Yeah. No. And ah, right. <laughs> there's a concept called bro science. So bro science is at the gym where he says, "Hey, bro. Yes. You know, it says take one. You must take ten. Yes. Your muscles will get ten times. Yeah. That's bro science. We yeah. stay away from bro science. I love bro science. It's, and, it's yeah, a lot of experiments through bro science. And as Mark said, any product that's needled into the skin, where a micro needle or home roller, has to be a product designed for needling. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I want to go. A couple of steps back We spoke about androgenic alopecia We spoke about traction alopecia We spoke about shedding There's other forms of hair loss Some of them much worse than others Tell us a little bit about them, Kath Perfect So um, the the main one that most of us know about is alopecia areata And in fact it's a common misperception That people just call this alopecia So just to clear it up Alopecia just means hair loss And the second word describes what it is So alopecia areata um, Are those kids you see It either comes as patches of hair It's an autoimmune disease Yes, And it's baby smooth Or unfortunately sometimes it spreads To become a totalis or universalis Where every hair on the body is lost And it's an autoimmune condition Mm. And um, often seen in kids But adults too And it can be You know Really really Debilitating for kids I mean mean kids But but I I remember my grandmother um, And she must have been In her Probably late 60s Early 70s Got that Where she lost You know Little bald patches All over Over her her head At the time it, It Apparently was a stress related, yes. But um, it was very debilitating for her, and and for us, it scarred us for years because she used to put on a wig to cover it, but but it like a hat. So the the wig was never like quite straight. And my grand wasn't the most elegant person, but it, it would be all over the place. But it scarred us as children. So. Yeah. So and 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 it's relatively common. Um, my sister's godchild, in fact, is a, a great advocate for alopecia areata. She's had it since the age of nine, and she hasn't a hair on her body. 
And um, stress, as you mentioned, usually three months before the first patch comes. So if it's the patchy type, it's sometimes, you know, picked up by your hairdresser. Mm. You don't know mm. it's at the back of your head. Um, usually three months back, it's an acute stress. So a car accident, a death often, uh, you know, manifests in this alopecia areata. And it's an autoimmune response. So your own body attacks its own hair follicles. Um, but it can, like I said, go further and affect eyebrows, eyelashes, and your whole body. Is this treatable? So um, the first line of treatment, you would visit a dermatologist and mm. they'd give cortisone injections. And sometimes it's self-limiting. Um, mm. Either the cortisone injection helps or it just grows back. With my gran, it, it, it was self-limiting. It, it, it was about a year and it, and it, 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 was, it was fine. Yeah. The, the more you lose, the, the harder it is to get back. So usually the, the universalis and totalis sometimes never comes back. There are some new experimental treatments. There's a professor of the University of Columbia. Um, I think her name's Professor Cristiano, and she experienced alopecia areata. So she's devoted a lot of time and research into it. And some of the um, of the drugs for arthritis, the immune modulators, seem to be okay, so very effective. Yeah. Disease-modifying drugs. So that exactly. could be things like metotrexate, plasmaquin. Yes, but the newer ones, so tofacitinib is one of them. Mm -hmm. And, of course, they're quite harsh on, on the body. So yeah, now they, it's basically a form of chemotherapy. It is. So they're trying to... Um, Make them topical Okay um, And they're having Quite a bit of success But it's all new And experimental Okay So Let's say A patient like me Come into your office So um, You mean a difficult She's <laughs> talking about A difficult patient <laughs> Thank you Chris So um, Kathy I, I think Firstly describe Basically Or shall I describe What, what I experienced So I have I'm, I'm in my Mid 40s And um, Since My Early 30s I Started Noticing That um, My hair Was Thinning more so in the crown and on the on the top than anywhere else. I've always had a high hairline, um, and you know it it receded a, a bit over time, but nothing that you would have noticed. Mm. What what was becoming very apparent was that um, the moment that I opened my roof on my car, if I took the roof down. Um, I didn't see hair. I started seeing scalp. And for me, that was, that was quite disconcerting. And, um, at our Christmas function last year, we were sitting in a restaurant and there was a light behind me. And when they took the photos, I had no hair. And for me, that was, no, 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 no. This is not happening. Um, and I came to you and we had a couple of options. Um, myself being an aesthetic practitioner, um, we always have access to all these treatment, but never the time to do them on ourselves. And I didn't do anything about this early on. So you, you saw and you made the diagnosis of alopecia. Am I correct? Yes, androgenetic. Okay. Androgenetic alopecia. My father had thin hair. None of my 
grandfathers lived long enough to lose their hair. So, you know, it, there wasn't a strong family history that I could fall back on. And um, I came to you and we started the process. So run us through that. Yeah, so with you, I knew that you had tried everything that there is to try at home, in the clinic, and that you'd reached that point um, when you saw that photograph that you were ready for surgery. Um, you know, other patients, they might be... They might want to try some home or topical treatments. They might not be able to afford a transplant. And sometimes patients just don't have good donor hair. So the first thing we do is assess it if you are a candidate for a hair transplant or not. Um, And if you are, we decide on what we're going to do. So, for example, with you, you said you always had quite a high hairline. You wanted to restore back to what you had, um, but you didn't want an usher hairline, right? Yeah. Down by your eyebrows So your expectations were really realistic And that determines the number of hairs We can transplant We then um, shave the Joshua door ring of hair What did you say the correct term for the monk? The tonsure The tonsure And um, over a few hours We extract the hairs Without cutting or stitching And place them into the area That they need to be Now I, I can just tell the people out there That is completely painless. I can't remember anything about it. What I do remember, though, is being told that I went shopping in Thrupp's after the procedure, (laughs) (laughs) which I also don't remember. (laughs) And just to say, Dr. Mark is no longer welcome in Thrupp's. (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine. You are given a sedative and told to go straight home, no driving. So My driver did he? <laughs> he did we don't know what he did in Thrups, but he's no longer welcome. <laughs> However, his driver is just coming out of therapy now. <laughs> exactly. So, yes, yeah, so the sedative helps, but you should go straight home. The, the most important thing to bear in mind and the most difficult part of my job is it actually takes a full year to grow. So I'm like a farmer. I'm actually mm. just putting the follicles in, the scabs and little hairs fall out. After about four to six months after the procedures, these hairs start to come through. Yeah, that's where I am now, yes. and it's phenomenal. It really yes. is. I no. mean, I've, I've I've been sort of watching it since you've had the procedure, and, no. yes. and I sort of every time because I see you on a weekly basis yeah. generally, and 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 I'm I'm watching the progression, which is quite, no quite no, interesting. you know, it, and it's, it's, it's it's worked. I mean, and you know, it come to month five where I am now, um, it's it's people say. Oh my God, but your hair is growing. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, these are people that are seeing me on a, on a daily basis. Mm, mm. Um, that it's, it's that dramatic. Yeah. And you've got, you know, a couple more months of thickening, which will be really, really nice. So that's the hard part as it takes its time to grow. But the nice part is because it's uh, from the Joshua door, the loyal hair, once it grows, that hair is there for good. So the transplant has no effect on your other hair, the native hair. If it was going to recede, it will recede. But the hair we put in is there for good. Well, the only thing that I have noticed, and we spoke about this in our program that we did on one of the other radio stations, Mm. was which hair is suitable for (laughs) transplantation. I knew you were going to go there. (laughs) Because... um, I've always wanted curly hair. (laughs) Well, suddenly I do have curly hair. But the funny thing is we took the hair from the back of my head. Now, Kathy, I remember asking you, does the texture of the hair vary? 
um, between the front and the back. And now I can answer that question. Yes, it does. And, and it varies dramatically. Um, is it, is, does the hair feel the same? Yes, but the texture is different. I'm, I'm feeling it now. Yes. So what happens is sure. eventually the hair does realize it's in a new place and it almost becomes a hybrid. So it starts to behave a little bit more like the hair at the front of your head would, but not a hundred percent. So I, I've always had very straight hair, especially when it's short and, um, it would become a little bit Prince Valiant wavy when it was long because I've had that as well. Um, but the hair that we transplanted is definitely much more curly. Dr. Mark, are you indirectly asking me if I took hair from another area of your body and placed it on your well, head? Well, I can't remember, but there was a patch on my butt <laughs> that was a little bit sore. I promise you it's all scalp hair. <laughs> so, you know, so... W- Again, if we don't have great donor hair on the scalp, can we take hair somewhere else? Yes, so it's not ideal. You can take hair from anywhere on the body and transplant to another place and it grows, except for the palms of your hands and the soles of your feet. I mean, nobody would ever want hair there, but just academically you can't do that. What about hobbits? We've got hairy feet, but not hairy soles. Oh, I see. Okay. (laughs) It's just a different type of skin. So, um, and in fact, you know, if we have a patient like a Burns patient, for example, we'll take care from anywhere we can Mm. to help them. But it's very, it's a lot more difficult. It takes a lot longer to grow. So the the year's growth that a scalp hair takes will be about 18 months if you're using a chest hair or a back hair. And it's far more difficult to get out, but technically it can be done. And it's something that you have done. I have done, and I've done the reverse as well. So I have, for example, given somebody a hairy chest from the hair on their head um, who really wanted a hairy chest. Both Chris and I are shaking <laughs> our heads. <laughs> Spend so much time and effort getting rid of that. Stuff. You know what? I, I remember when I was in my 20s and my 30s, it was hours of you know, manscaping yeah, and shaving mm. and Plucking and you know, thank God I'm in my middle forties now because for hairy of you know, but the less of my flabby skin you see. Absolutely. Listen, I tell you what, I'm in my mid fifties, and if you ever need donor hair, it's coming out of my ears, literally. I've <laughs> <laughs> tried that one. <laughs> okay, so Kev, um, I want to move on. We have a couple of new tr- therapies. Um, there's one specifically that I want to talk about. Um, it will be available at the tea clinic very shortly, and it's called Regenera Additiva. Am I right? Absolutely. Okay. So tell us about this technology because it's brand spanking new and it's revolutionary not only for hair loss, but for so many other conditions, um, especially anything that's to do with neurology. Yes. So the, um, we've always believed that stem cells would have a positive effect on growing hair. But the difficulty was, was getting them because you either have to do liposuction, which is quite an invasive procedure to get the stem cells from fat, or a bone marrow aspirate, which is even more tricky and invasive. So we've, you know, been very happy with our growth factors from the PRP, but we wanted to go to that one step further 
to actually stimulate with stem cells. So um, the Italians have come up with this amazing technology where in a minimally invasive way, you can actually get stem cells in quite a short procedure in the clinic. And the way you do that is you get the stem cells that live around the little vessels. Um, They're called pericytes. Pericytes, yeah. exactly. This is new. This is very new. And pericytes are the darling of the stem cell world because they've be, they're little cells that live around your your um, vessels if you picture your capillaries and blood vessels they're cells they're called pericytes and these pericytes have the potential to become stem cells which are amazing because they're superficial and easy to access so the point on the scalp they've found that are richest in these pericytes is that little soft skin behind your ear sort of at the nape of your neck so with this technology, you go in and you have almost a, like a biopsy from that area, which is really, you know, you end up with a little plaster, not even a stitch. It takes about 10 minutes to get out, a little bit of local anesthetic, which stings a bit, and then it's completely painless. So we take this little biopsy from that area. Um, and as Dr. Mark said, it can be done at the clinic. He's actually going to yeah. do it in the rooms. It's not something you need to go to theater for. And then there's a very fancy machine. I call it my Nutri-Blender, you know, yeah. <laughs> the way I make my smoothies in the morning. But I put it in the, the Nutri-Blender, which is a lot more sophisticated and fancy than that. And it actually um, extracts these amazing pericytes, which are now potentially stem cells, um, and gives you a solution at the end of the day, which you put into your syringe and then inject into your hair follicles. So within a... 30-minute procedure, we now have these, you know, stem cells that we've always been wanting to use for our um, follicle stimulation in the clinic in a solution, which is then injected back into your scalp and then really fertilizes and stimulates the hair follicles and blood cells again, new blood vessel formation. So this is a treatment that is a good add-on. Um to patients with severe hair loss It's a good treatment I think for patients With traction alopecia specifically Because you know what You will re reinvigorate And regrow those Those blood vessels Now combine this with something like uh, PRP and microneedling And you have A minimally invasive Um Affordable, incredibly effective treatment. I was just going to say, I mean, it, it surely a lot of these treatments can be used in conjunction with each other. Absolutely. All of them. All you of know, them. And, and that's, that really helps. So you're not just sort of backing one horse in the, in the race. You, you're really spreading your odds. Absolutely. So, um, Kath and I spoke about this, uh, at, at a couple of occasions. The ideal scenario would be to combine all of these treatments where you start with your microneedling and your PRP. You go on and you have um, your transplant and then you back the transplant up a, a year or two later with uh, Originera. And you know what, with that, we should be able to um, restore most people with androgenic alopecia and traction alopecia will be able to restore a full head of hair. 
for them. And just remember the transplant is available for so few patients. So out of, you know, a hundred patients I see, maybe eight will be eligible right. for a transplant. So it's so nice to have these ad- other modalities, especially like you mentioned, traction alopecia, females with hair loss who don't do well with transplants, men with a more diffuse hair loss. It's a lot easier to transplant once they've actually lost the hair and then you're putting it back. But if they've got a lot of diffuse hair loss in that area, it's far better to grow your own hair, keep what you've got with mm. one of these treatments. Yeah. Just a, a quick question, and I know we touched on it earlier, but but sort of oral treatments. So, yes. so does do, do those go more to just general health and 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 obviously specific to hair? But no, I'm very glad you touched on that. So there are two FDA approved treatments, and and our local council is the um, which was the MCC. MCC. Now it's something else. Sarpra. Oh, yeah. Um, two treatments that are approved, pharmaceutical treatments. The one is the oral, which is finasteride. Um, and that's mainly for men or postmenopausal women. Can, can I interject there? Mm. Yes. So, um, if we go and look at finasteride, that was the old regain, Rogaine. That's minoxidil. Min- okay. Yes. So that was, um, Propecia. Yeah, Propecia, exactly. Okay. So, there was a class action suit in the States against the manufacturers of Propecia because it is known that finasteride can cause erectile dysfunction yeah. and sometimes irreversible erectile dysfunction. Kathy, is that still something that we have to worry about? Absolutely. So um, 15 years ago when I started in the field of hair loss, it was common practice to put almost every male that came with hair loss on mm. asteroid. We did then start to see many people with the loss of libido. Luckily, usually when they stopped taking the treatment, everything was reversed, but there is this small group of people where it's irreversible. And it really made us very, very cautious to put something on something, someone on something that actually affects their hormones. Mm, it's sure. a personal choice, and there are millions of men on finasteride. Um, With good effect. I used to take it myself. Yeah. But the more, you know, acutely aware we're becoming of optimal body function and optimizing your hormones, the more cautious we are to put on someone on something oral. There's some natural products that block DHT, like saw palmetto, beta-cytosterol that I'm far more comfortable at right. putting patients on. Right. The second FDA-approved treatment for hair loss is minoxidil. So um, as Mark mentioned, that's your, your regain and in America it's known as Rogaine and that's a topical treatment. It's definitely a very valid point to start. Uh, 2% for women, 5% for men and often right. you know, your GP will put you on this and it is uh, you know, very promising, effective the difficulty is it's something that needs to be used every day. It's supposed to be used twice a day. So, I mean, my patients don't listen to me. So yeah, I, I have to be honest. Day. I've used this as well. To use it twice a day is quite difficult because yeah. it does make your hair um, it's oily, oily mm-hmm. and dry at in the end. You know, it, your hair really feels dry once this, this product has dried out um, and it can make it look quite flaky and ashy. Yeah, so compliance is a big issue with minoxidil. Right. But it's a valid, po- you know, place to start, especially if um, other to treatments pre- aren't affordable. Yeah, you know, it, just to to 
to prevent hair loss yeah. um, start with it at a young age. If, yeah. if you're genetically pre- predisposed, sure. you know, start with it. I, I believe that even if it's just once a day at nighttime before you go to bed as a preventative measure, it might slow things down just a, a tad. Exactly. It's far easier to keep what you've got than to regrow hair once sure. you've lost it. So, that yeah, that's a good point. Okay. So, Bas, those are our topicals. Anything else? Um, so those are the only two approved, but there are many, many um, treatments. You know, it's a billion-dollar industry. Yes, yes. And I always say when I give my talks, it's this billion-dollar industry, but we still cannot cure hair loss because the hair follicle is so complicated. So there are tons of companies working on this. Um a lot of biotech companies, uh, CRISPR, which is your gene replacement technology, recently announced that there will be a gene therapy um, injectable into the scalp. That must um, be revolutionary, but I think hellishly expensive. Hellishly expensive and, and quite a while away. Another um, thing that we're all waiting for on the surgical side of things is cloning. So in other words, we uh, can take a few hairs out of the back clone them in a lab right. so then we're not reliant on you having great donor hair oh wow um, and there's a, a professor in japan who claims to have done it but once again we're into the millions of rands um, but hopefully you know as this progresses the chinese copy it will get it down yeah. to to more affordable prices and accessible um, but then there's just a whole lot of your pharma companies working on other pathways we've always focused on dht which is the byproduct of testosterone. But these companies are, f- are focusing on other pathways that uh, cause hair loss. So um, it's getting very technical. Love. There's a pathway called the Wnt pathway, the mTOR pathway. So I do believe there will be some breakthroughs. But as of now, you still cannot cure hair loss. Okay. So you, uh, we are here because of a tea clinic. Yes. Um, so the T-Clinic is uh, a, a clinic that specializes in hormone replacement for men and women and especially testosterone. Yeah. So Hence on the T. So <laughs> on, on the show, we, we, we talk about um, testosterone supplementation and in the same breath hair restoration. Mm. Kathy, now how common is um, testosterone as the primary cause of hair loss? So I believe if you are normalizing your testosterone or even if you're you know, boosting it a bit because it has so many wonderful effects, it's not that in itself that causes the hair loss. It's a receptor that you inherit that makes you more sensitive to the testosterone. However, if you're doing it irresponsibly, like if you're taking an anabolic steroid at gym and totally disregarding normal levels, you're taking a very androgenic substance, yes, you're going to cause hair loss and you see a lot of bald bodybuilders walking around because of that. But if you're improving your own hormonal levels of testosterone and you have a normal process of secreting it, excreting it, using responsible substances, then I don't think that you'd see a massive shed from normalizing your testosterone. I I want to... In men. In men, yes. So I want to to expand there a little bit. I have treated thousands of patients now with testosterone, and everyone, and Chris, you, you know this 
I, I always say it's about balance. It's about balancing sure. testosterone levels with all the other hormone levels because if the balance is correct, there's no side effect. But it is about that balance. Yes, it's a and symphony. So what Dr. Mark does is highly specialized. So, you know, but once we create the balance, um, you restore fun- normal function to the body. Right. And um, that is the important part. With any treatment you do, it needs to be looked at and seen as an holistic approach. Um, when we treat blood pressure, we look have to look at everything else that's involved in blood pressure. Sure. And hormone replacement therapy is exactly the same. Fantastic. Guys, I think we sort of come to the end of where oh. we're going to be today. But there's so much more we need to talk about. And, 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 and I'm sure, Kathy, unfortunately, we're going to bring you back. We do that. You oh, know. I love that. I'm very happy to you know, come it, back. It, it's, <laughs> always, it's always great to have you in, in, in studio with us, Kathy. And thank you for taking the time out. This is the busiest time of year for all aesthetic practitioners and functional medicine guys um, thank you so much for coming uh, thank you for giving up your time and um, thank you for my new head of hair thank I do you. appreciate that I hope you all stay healthy and hairy this we definitely hope that that does happen except out your ears well, you know that is really a problem. <laughs> I must, I must be honest. That that is a horrible problem. <laughs> I will never forget the first hair that I yanked out of my ear. What made it worse was it was a grey hair. <laughs> So, mine, mine are coming out thick and grey and horrible So yeah, absol- absolutely Okay, so. Chris, our next episodes um, Next week I'm away I'm in Umschlange working And it's also a public holiday We are doing one of our previous shows Yes, we, we're starting We're going right back to the beginning Testosterone in men then the week after that, we're talking about which testosterone, is Christmas. Which, which is just before Christmas. It's yeah. the 23rd, and we're talking about um, uh, testosterone, testosterone in women. women. And then on, just before New Year, we're talking about IV therapy. And then we are back in studio. And we will be revisiting erectile dysfunction. Exactly, because we need to do that. It's important to talk about that. Okay, dogs. Kath... May you have a beautiful holiday season. Um, we will see you in the new year. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. It's Absolutely. Been wonderful. And happy Christmas, everybody, or festive season, or whatever we say nowadays. We'll be back in Jan. We will indeed have a great, great, great time. Thank you very much. This has been the Tea Health Show with Dr. Mark and Chris Haven Smith, sponsored by the Tea Clinic. For more information, contact admin at theteaclinic.com.